Well, this just got more interesting for me, more challenging for me. So I remember seeing a peace sign uh, when I was a child. Uh, It was in the 70s, and my father was stationed in Hawaii. I know, tough duty, but somebody had to do it. And the Smith family got to stay there from 72 to 75. And I remember, of course, this is right after uh, the United States had pulled out of Vietnam. And peace signs were everywhere. And I wondered, what is this kind of unique symbol, this sort of strange symbol I'm seeing? And... Uh, and my older sister, Kieran, because when I was a small child, she would have already been a teenager. Nine years my senior, and so she explained to me that that is a symbol in our world for peace. And of course, it was a response at that time, most likely, because of we had been uh, engaged in a war in Vietnam for about eight years. But it's something that you still see today from time to time. And in our series, Becoming More Like Jesus, we've come to that third week and therefore that third fruit of the Spirit that's mentioned in Galatians 5. And that is peace. Now, when you hear the word peace, there's actually different things that can come to mind. In the secular world, the way we often hear it is, will you give me some peace and quiet? Or, let me be, give me some peace. It's, it's something that is in response to, well, there is some noise, and I'm seeking calm. And so someone may request peace in the sense of serenity or quiet. But the biblical concept of peace is much more complex than that. Because the biblical concept of peace... It, it, it actually has probably, you could argue, three different meanings in Holy Scripture to peace. And certainly one of them is the peace that we have, uh, is the peace that we have uh, with God. Or, yeah, the peace that we have with God. Uh, in Romans chapter 5 verse 1, it says, Therefore, since... We have been justified through faith. Nope. There we are. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, peace is something that Jesus and Paul would have talked about daily in their walk with other people. Peace is something that the Hebrew word was shalom. And a word that many of you have probably heard at one time or another. Maybe heard preachers. I myself, I think, have probably talked about shalom in the past. It's translated into English simply as peace. But as I mentioned earlier, it's more complex than that. It's actually a concept. Because shalom, when they greeted one another with, with the word shalom, they meant... I hope that you are well. It had to do with all around well-being. But it also had to do with freedom. Freedom from fear and anxiety. It also had to do with freedom from want. 
Because shalom, or that sense of peace in the ancient world, had a lot to do with just overall contentment. That people weren't going through life thinking about what they did not have. Instead, they went through life typically thankful for what they did have. Now, shalom, as I understand it, or that sense of peace is still used in, in Israel today. It's still used in the Arab world today. Uh, not the word shalom, because that's, that's a Hebrew word. But the, the Arab people have their own concept of peace that is similar to that of what we find in, in, uh, in ancient Israel. And it's a concept that didn't really make its way westward. You don't see it in Western Europe. You certainly don't see it in the United States. And we as Americans, there's lots of things we are good at. But an overall sense of peace is not among the things that we're good at. Our society today, we have a lot of people that experience, excuse me, experience anxiety. We have a lot of people today who have what I remember the first time I read a, a Dave Ramsey book. He had something he called stuff-itis. And if any of you have read any of Dave Ramsey, and you know he talks about stuff-itis. And that's simply the idea that I don't have enough stuff. And I need more stuff. And of course, Jesus says, don't be worried about stuff. Don't be worried about that stuff that can be here today and gone tomorrow. Stuff is not the meaning of life. And so people who really understand peace then understand that stuff is not the way to achieve that. Alright, uh, my monitor... Hey, thank you Steve. I don't know what it's going to take to get that thing going, but... You're the guy, I'm just sure of it. It came from upstairs. It came from upstairs. He says. Thank you, upstairs. Thanks, Kay. All right, back on track. Man, that was like eight minutes of you know ad living without uh, a visual that I've grown very dependent on on the days that I prepare one. Alright, let's look at John chapter 14. John chapter 14, because Jesus here talking about one of the forms of peace. Beginning with verse 1, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. At church, I don't know about you, but man, I love those words. Jesus saying, my Father's house has many rooms. 
many rooms. And would I told would I have told you that I'm coming back for you if it wasn't true? That's Jesus right there talking to his closest followers and saying, it's going to be okay. You should be at peace knowing that I am going to come back for you. Skip down to verse 23. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus saying, yeah, some of you that that worry a lot, be at peace. Realize that it's all okay. It's in this same section, that's a couple chapters over, but in John 16 that he says, in this world, there's going to be times of trouble. You will have trouble, he tells us. He says, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. Now, if you're here most every Sunday, you've heard me quote that verse from John 16 over and over and over again. Because it's true. And because I think we need to be reminded of it. Because we're in this this hallowed place. We're in this cocoon of love, mercy, and grace for a short while on Sunday mornings. And then we have to go out and do what, church? We've got to go out and make our way in the world. And it's a tough place. Why? Because it's a fallen and broken world. It's not the world that God intended for us. And so we've got to make our way the best way we can. Somebody asked me this week, how are you doing? And I said, well, right now I'm leaning into God. It was a, it was a tough day. And we have those on this side of glory, don't we, church? We have tough days. And I was in the midst of a tough day. And so somebody concerned about me, knowing I was probably in the middle of a tough day, said, how are you doing? How are you holding up? And I said, I'm leaning into God. Because it's so much better than any of the alternatives. And that was the truth. And so Jesus tells us about this peace that comes from God. Romans 5.1, Paul mentioned peace there. And that's the peace that we have with God. And it, he says it's through Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ here telling you know, responding to Thomas when Thomas says, but, you know, Master, we don't know the way. What do you mean we know the way? We, we don't. And he says, I'm paraphrasing here, but he says, sure you do, buddy. Because you've been with me for the last three years. I am the way, he says. 
I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And so right there, that we're reminded of uh, the peace that we have with God through our reconciliation because of what we gathered around this table for earlier. What Bill led our thoughts into. Remembering the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. That's the gospel. That He died for us. And so we have peace with God because we are reconciled to Him through the blood of Jesus. But then Jesus sort of switches gears and then talks about the peace that we will receive from God. And what a beautiful peace that is. Paul refers to it in Philippians. And we're going to go there, well, in just a moment. But that peace that is beyond our understanding. And when I talk about peace, I used this quote five years ago. The last time I preached on peace, it was August of 16. And Randy Harris, who used to teach at Lipscomb and then finished his career at Abilene Christian as a professor there, says you can have feelings of peace and calm because you know in the end when sin and sickness, disease and death, war and plague, and the devil himself have done their worst. God has the last word. Yeah. That's a quote worth remembering, isn't it, church? One of God's faithful servants who at some point penned those words. And I'm thankful that he did. That when they've all done their worst, the fallen world and the devil himself, that God has the last word. And now we look at that other kind of peace because we're talking about bearing fruit, right church? We're talking about bearing good fruit. Now, when a tree yields its fruit, what is that tree doing? The tree is giving its fruit, isn't it? The tree doesn't take anything. And so, if we're going to be more like Jesus, when did Jesus ever take anything? We're going to be people who give. Now, I'm not saying it's sinful when we accept something from someone else. But I'm saying that in our lives, it can be very easy for us to be self-absorbed. It can be very easy for us to just think about ourselves all the time if we're not careful. And so, the fruit of the Spirit reminds us to be people who are giving. Giving of our love, giving of our joy, and now giving of our peace. And so as we turn to Philippians, we look at a place where Paul mentions peace uh, a couple of times. Now, last week we talked about joy. I mentioned that, that Paul talks about joy 21 times in his letters. And that any time something is repeated that many times, that there is some importance. And we, as readers of his letters, as readers of God's Word, that we need to take heed when something is repeated that many times. Well, church, 
Paul talks about peace in his letters 43 times. One reason for that, I think, is because there are, in fact, different forms of peace in the scriptural concept. And two of them are discussed right here in Philippians 4. Let's begin with verse 2. I plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. I'm going to pause there because these two ladies, Odia and Syntyche, Paul says some good things about them. He says that they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. And he says here, but you, my true companion, he's talking about the church there. Writing to the church, he's not naming one individual or, or signaling or referring to one individual there. He's referring to the church. He's saying, you as the church, you help these ladies. So, we don't know anything about Yodia and Syntyche. Except that I get nervous when trying to pronounce their names in a public setting. Okay, but Yodia and Syntyche are two sisters in Christ that Paul thinks highly of. When Paul was in Philippi, they worked alongside him for the cause of the gospel, he says here. But we do know that for some reason there's been a rift. There's been a problem between Yodia and Syntyche. And so Paul, is, Paul knows, because he gets reports back from these churches that he visited. And when I say visited, he usually spent about 12, 18 months with a church. And so people that he lived alongside for several months, worked alongside, that he encouraged that church, appointed elders in a lot of cases, and strengthened the church, and then he went on to the next one. But he gets a report back at some point that, hey, Yodia and Syntyche, man, they are not getting along right now, brother. And so from prison, he takes the time to mention them in his letter and says, come on, y'all. Come on, get it together. You know, be, of like, be, be like-minded. Put this past you. And he's saying, hey, church, you help them get past this. Because we don't need division in the church. In other words, what church? These ladies need to be at peace with one another. And if people who are fighting in a congregation are at peace, then what happens? The congregation is at peace. And I always feel in moments like this, like it's just helpful to just kind of issue a little disclaimer. No, there is no one in the, the Hohenwald Church of Christ that is at odds with one another that I'm aware of. Okay? Uh, I'm just preaching about peace because that's where we are in the fruit of the Spirit. And this is a form of it. Okay? But what it does tell us is that whenever we're having an issue with another brother or sister in Christ, that we're encouraged to get right. We're encouraged to get past it. And so then Paul moves on. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Now, what Paul is really saying there to us today is don't spend too much time watching cable news. Seriously. The stuff we watch, and cable news is just one example. But how much of that stuff that we watch is praiseworthy? How much of it is gentle? How much of it is beautiful? Right? We have to expose ourselves to those things that have a higher virtue. Because we spend too much time getting bogged down in the news of the world, the politics of the world. Then we take our minds off Christ. We take our minds off that which is good and holy and right. And so Paul is saying, you want to be at peace, then pay attention to what you're around. Pay attention to what you absorb. Because some of that stuff can disrupt peace in your life. Matthew 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And so here we are now at that last form of peace. That form of peace that says that we're going to be agents of peace. Agents of easing tensions between other people. Agents of not letting little things become big things. Not letting things fester. Not letting us get to that point that we have a major problem with a brother or sister in Christ. And then if someone asks us, why do you and them not get along? And then what do we do, church? We have to stop and think. Where did this start? Or we might even be hesitant to explain it. I remember when Jesus asked the disciples, you know, what was it y'all were arguing about on the road back there? And then they're reluctant to even tell him because they know how small it's going to make them look. Well, boss, we were arguing over which one of us was the greatest. And yeah, with good reason that you're not proud to talk about that with your teacher. Because that's petty. That's worldly. And so, God wants us to be people who bring peace to the world. Who get beyond the petty and the worldly. That we are agents 
of peace, an easing of tensions. There once was a king who offered a prize to the artist who could paint the best picture of peace. Many artists tried. Now imagine that you're going to create a piece of art. For me, I have trouble with stick people, so that would be an overwhelming, uh, an overwhelming task. But some of you are talented artists. And so imagine that you're going to create a work of art that captures the concept of peace. Not an easy thing necessarily. The king looked at all the pictures, but there were only two he really liked. And he had to choose between those two. One picture was of a calm lake. The lake was a perfect mirror for peaceful towering mountains were all around it. Overhead was a blue sky with fluffy white clouds. All who saw this picture thought it was a perfect picture of peace and serenity. The other picture had mountains too, but these were rugged and bare. Above was an angry sky from which rain fell and in which lightning streaked. Not a difficult concept on a morning where we've already heard thunder, right church? And so, down the side of the mountain tumbled a foaming waterfall. This did not look peaceful at all. But when the king looked, he saw behind the waterfall a tiny bush growing in a crack in the rock. In the bush, a mother bird had built her nest. There in the midst of the rush of angry water sat the mother bird on her nest. Perfect peace. The king chose the second picture because, he explained, peace does not mean to be in a place where there is no noise, no trouble, and no requirement of hard work. Peace means to be in the midst of all those things and still be calm in your heart. That is the true meaning of peace, said the king. Romans 12, 14 through 21 is the last thing we're going to look at this morning. I've known a lot of Christians over the years who Romans 12 was one of their favorite passages in all of Holy Scripture. Beginning with verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heat burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Romans to me is a complex letter at times. 
But that passes, church. I don't think that needs a whole lot of explanation, does it? It says, somebody does you wrong, you don't get them back. Somebody wrongs you, it doesn't matter what it is. And I know that's hard. Man, I know that's hard. But somebody wrongs you. And you return it with peace. You return it with love. You return it with kindness. That that's how you respond when someone hurts you. One of the hardest things that God asks His people to do. But He asks it. And so, it's the challenge before us. The final verse of Scripture I want to leave us with today. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 Now may the Lord of peace Himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. Peace. It's complex. It's layered. It has different meanings depending on the context. But whether it is the peace we have with God, whether it is the peace that God gives us, a peace that overcomes us in times of trouble when we pray to Him, that is just beyond our understanding or explanation. Or whether it is that peace that we are challenged to carry out. A peace that says, no, no. I'm the righteous judge. I dole out the punishment. That's not your place. Let's be people who rejoice in the peace we have with God. But let's be people who are challenged to be agents of peace in a fallen and broken world. If you're with us today and you have not yet put on Christ in baptism, you have not yet accepted the peace that comes from God, then we invite you to respond this morning. We can take your confession and you can begin life anew as a child of God. And if you're with us this morning and there is something that you need us to pray with you about, then the invitation is offered for that reason also.